Okay, welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast with your host, Brendan. Fruiting Body is a medicinal mushroom company located on the island of Phuket. Uh, we got a last-minute guest, but an absolute legend. It is Brad Riddell. He is a longtime veteran of the island of Phuket, training over at Tiger Muay Thai, but now he's at, well, his home gym, City Kickboxing in New Zealand. Um, today, we're going to be talking more about Brad and his journey from New Zealand over to Thailand, and we're going to focus more on that part of the story. It's going to be a quick one. We're guessing about less than 30 minutes. So let's get it started right away. So without further ado, here's Brad Riddell. Good to be here. Yeah. Where did the name come from? <clears throat> fruiting body. Um, so fruiting body is, it's the technical term for the mushroom when it's fully developed. Okay. So there's different like life cycles. I'll turn that off in a second. There's different life cycles in the mushroom's development and the final uh, of the mushroom's life cycle is the fruiting body. Okay. We took it, uh, well, I came up with this idea because all the competitors on their website, when they sell this type of product, they have to say, we sell 100% fruiting body. So I'm trying to be like the Kleenex of tissue paper oh, okay. <laughs> of the fruiting gotcha. body yeah, yeah, of the yeah. mushroom industry. And I've had competitors and I trademarked it in the US and people like reach out to me after they're like, how the fuck did you trademark that? I'm like, yeah. it's too late now, buddy. Yeah. And, okay. Uh, anyways. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was smart. Yeah. I'm a bit sneaky, but good. Ah, we'll run with it. Um, so we'll get it started. Uh, again, this is kind of a Thailand, well, it is a Thailand-based podcast. Uh, let's just walk us through your story of getting started into MMA. And let's go back to the time, the earthquake in Christchurch, which basically shook it all up. <laughs> yep. That was uh, a while ago now. 2011, um, probably. Yeah, so. Oh. So I came to Thailand before that for yeah. a couple of months, um, like my first year out of school. And then like everybody, I was like, oh, I need to go back there. I need to find a way back, right? So, and like everybody back then, I sort of ran out of money, so I had to go home and work. So I went home. While I was over here, there was an earthquake and I didn't really... Um, you know, understand the gravity of it at the time because we'd never had earthquakes. So I was, I had nothing like, nothing to compare to. So my, my parents and stuff were like, oh, it's really bad. It's damaged the city. So like some people have died. I was like, wow, that that's crazy. And then so I went home and then I experienced like a, a bigger one when I was there. I was like, holy shit. Like it knocked me off my feet, like blew all the windows out of my building. Like the, the water exploded up out of the pool. 15 feet out of the Jesus pool Christ. and I was, I was like shaking and I was on the ground like bouncing around and like then it stopped and it was just like smoke and you know collapsed like building and dust and alarms going off and I was like man this is crazy and so that happened and I moved to Auckland because our company moved or like uh, the hotel we worked in put all the staff like relocated them and if you wanted to you could move so I was like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna move there's and not too much going on down here for me. And I ended up in Auckland at a gym called Lee Gar and did well up there fighting. And then I made my way to China. Um, yeah, we have a similar experience. I, I heard a couple stories where you're, you know, um, maybe you can share that story when you're in, Chi you're in China and you were on tourist visas, but the police came to your hotel room. Oh, yes. Yes. So that... Um, that wasn't when I was living there. So at that time, I was living here, and I went over to have a fight with um, uh, Kunlun. 
think it was Coon Loon. And uh, I took Woody with me. I always used to take Woody with me to corner me, even though he didn't like have any fight experience. So it was like more just having like someone funny around. That made me or kind of made me fight better. So I took Woody and um man, like the the hotel that sponsored the fight was like an hour out of Beijing. But we were fighting in Beijing. So we had to keep doing these like massive drives. And uh one day, like on fight day, they're knocking on my door, knocking on my door, and they come to the door and I'm like, Woody just Tell, tell them to piss off like I want to sleep and I'll, I'll have the fight tell them to leave so he, they, he told them to leave next minute like more of them came back for the boss and they're like you've got to go you've got to go to the embassy like and get a visa and I was like nah i got I got a visa and they're like no the, the police know you guys are here fighting for cash you need like a work permit like a working visa I was like fuck so it was like 2 in the afternoon so they drove us to the embassy so it's like now 3 o'clock and then we had to wait at the embassy for like an hour and a bit Finally got these visas. They drove us back to the hotel. And um, they were like, oh, you got to go to the fight in like 15 minutes. And I was like, oh, can we eat? Because like, we haven't eaten today. And they were like, yeah. So they bring out this big-ass bowl of like fried rice. And they're like, yeah, just eat that. And uh, then they just took us to the fight. And yeah, and Chinese food. And they mean. turned up at the, um, yeah, the police all turned up at the um, immigration, turned up at the fight and checked all our passports and everything. Yeah, Especially man. when you when you're out there, eat, the Chinese food. Well, I was okay because I was in Shen, uh, Shenzhen, so we yeah. had Western food. But I have some buddies that live there, and kind of we have a joke. It's like we basically had diarrhea for six years. Yeah, <laughs> man. It's like just yeah. shit in your pants all the time. I just I made beelines for like Maccas or anything like Western. That's like I would make weight, and then I'd just like fuel up on Maccas, KFC, uh, Pizza Hut. Yeah, pizza. It was the only hut. place I could in the world I could swear I could find Pizza Hut anymore after a while. It was China. Man, I lived off Pizza Hut, especially like, <laughs> man, nights out drinking and like you needed pizza and like yeah. that's all you had. But that Pizza Hut pizza, like if you don't eat it when it's hot and it turns cold, it just literally turns into a brick. It's like chewing this couch. Oh eh? my god. Yeah, it's uh, terrible. So were you now? Were you actually living in China before that? Not really living. I wasn't there long enough to like class it as living. I'd say I was there um, to. It was supposed to be a year, and I got there and I was there two months, and I was like, "I am out of here. This is terrible." They're like, "We were in uh, Jingzhou, Jingzhou, like what, like mainland China." Yeah. Z H E N Z H E N G Z H O U. Oh, Jingzhou. like Jingzhou or something. Yeah. And like how you throw that accent on there. it was it was horrible. It was horrible. It was like again terrible city, but then hour and a half drive out into the countryside through like all these fish farms yeah. and then this like big abandoned hotel that has been turned into a gym with like dormitories and so that's where we were yeah because there's wi-fi in like one corner of the place and like the boss's room but you weren't allowed there the pay it was good for fighters at that time in china like i know a lot oh, like, fuck yeah, man. Like, like if you're doing even muay thai guys like uh, would you know like eddie farrell yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, guys yeah. like that, they would be going out to China because you're getting paid way more oh, than bro, China, doing it here. China, like, um, as much shit I talk on it, it like, um, it gave me the opportunity to live as like a full time fighter, like as a professional fighter, because like without them, you'd be getting paid shit here at the stadiums and just yeah. being ripped off everywhere. But I had like a pretty good contract with the Chinese, so I could live in Auckland. Like I made I made enough to live in Auckland, and fight just fight. And then obviously if I made enough to live in Auckland and just fight fighting and living here was, was sweet, right? And then I was working as well at, at, at um Tiger. So uh yeah, it was good for me. 
That's good for me, man. Were you, I I read you you're you got upwards of like fifty eight fights. Now was this strictly in uh, like kickboxing yeah, and Muay Thai? Yeah, it was like uh, kickboxing and Muay Thai. So, um, accumulated a lot of fights earlier in my career through tournaments, just doing like eight mans and four mans. I did. I've done like three, three or four four mans. I've done four eight mans. Um, so I mean that's like that's racking up fights, man. Like you fight three times in one night. And I've done how, like four of them. That's twelve fights, and then chuck on the four mans. How like do you get through with the leg kicks? Because I mean, I, I I used to do Muay Thai. I probably had about three years of Muay Thai from sparring, and like mm. sometimes you take a wicked one across the quad, and like I could be <laughs> you could be crippled for a week. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it sucks. Like it's uh, sometimes you can come out of an eight man pretty like unscathed. Sometimes you know you can get through the first guy quick, second guy quick. Third guy can be hard, but like you're at the end anyway, so just get into it. But um, I've done one eight man where I did an extra round every single fight, so I did four rounds three times that night. So I did twelve rounds in one night. I was really sore the next day. Like I was like a balloon, just swollen up. My ankles are like from kicking, and it was like uh, it takes like a little bit of fortitude, mental fortitude, to like get up and go out to the next fight every time, especially if you sit there and relax for a bit. And then all the pain starts to kick in or like a bit of relaxation. Well, I, re I read you broke your leg when you were younger and kind of you didn't have a feeling in one of the legs. So that's kind of an advantage for a Muay Thai. Is the leg still like that? Or is that a, uh, yeah, uh, so a well-known fact that nah, your fight, uh, the people studying you would know about? Nah, so like I, I, oh, I don't know, like maybe I, bro I broke my ankle. But um, so it's like got filled up with like some plates and screws and stuff. And then like just a massive amount of feeling. Um, lifted, I guess, like up the shin and stuff, just because the, the it completely snapped, and then like the bones all fused around the steel and stuff. So I guess it sort of became like Iron Man that leg, yeah. and uh, uh, yeah, a lot of the sensitivities left. So yeah, I can like belt my left leg in pretty good and over and over. And yeah, you, well, you like most Muay Thai fighters, and especially at, in, in definitely Iron helps Man. blocking low kicks because like I can block a lot of them and. Just worry about the pain later. Were, were you fighting any Thai guys as well? I fought some Thais. The Thais were actually, um, they were like my boogeymen. Yeah, like every time I ended up fighting a Thai, I had like a really tricky, difficult fight. And uh, I lost a couple against them. And I won a couple against a, a couple against the Thais. But yeah, every time I had a fight with a Thai, it was um, it was always tricky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I could never, and I would never want to understand at that level, I've, uh, training Muay Thai here always like you know the guy coaching me they always they want to push you to go to Patong I'm like but I, I don't have health insurance what happens when yeah. it snaps my jaw that's like, it bro. Yeah, like you're like gonna you're, it's nothing to make the money maybe the experience but like I mean I'm not getting an orbital bone fracture for yeah. what and what's the point yeah. and those Thai guys I mean you watch them as kids and conditioning their shins I mean they're probably just as strong as that that bat you're holding oh for sure like after a certain amount of fights like the, you can't deny that I don't think they're like purposely belt their shins and stuff but just after like a cumulative damage from them and just kicking each other and kicking the bag all the time and yeah it just becomes like desensitized right do you think like foreigners could ever like uh, reach that level of like you know of shin durability oh, of course like um i'm sure izzy's got pretty goddamn hard shins man like he's had a hell of a lot of fights and he kicks a lot so his are definitely probably harder than the average joe's um, I think it's if anyone starts at that age, you're going to end up with like that's when your body's like forming and growing. Right. So, 
you're just callousing it. You're just callousing it from a child up. Yeah, and these kids, you'll, I'll see them, they're running around the back street. There's a gym here called Revolution, and uh, Sutai is over yeah. there. And uh, these kids are like maybe five or six. Mm. I mean, they're running five, maybe 10K a day. I mean, yeah, they're monsters, huh? Monsters. <laughs> But it's monsters, eh? it's kind of it's a bit. We were starting up a, a Muay Thai foundation. That's kind of something I have on the side that I want to get to. I can't do everything, um, but the reality is they're coming from Isan and they're fighting here to basically give money back home to feed the family. Yeah, it's pretty standard. Yeah. So I guess in Thailand, a lot of the time, kids sort of sometimes get the choice or don't whether to go to school, pursue education, or get money now and fight and just send it home and, and make money that way. And then, you know, they retire relatively early, a lot of them, and become trainers. Yep. So it's like security, I guess. It's like security and having that income and all that time. Yeah, we saw them, uh, and that's kind of when I started it during COVID time. It was over here. I said, well, what are the kids doing? They're not fighting. And honestly, they were fishing. Yeah. Fishing yeah, for yeah, food. Yeah. It would have been rough, man, and like for sure. Yeah, and, and some of them will come to, from these Bangtao communities over here, and they'd be fishing, and the dad would be trying to get some sort of job, but they're literally fishing for dinner. Yeah. It was, a bit, it was really sad, and uh, we tried to raise a little bit of money and do what we could do, but, I mean, yeah. that time was pretty rough. It's, uh, yeah, I guess, like, I mean, having a, been a third-world country, right, the, the reality of life is a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like compared to people like us, right? The government like gives us money, and in our country, the government was like giving out money to like sort of cushion the blow that they they made on the economy and uh, the effect on other people's lives. But like over the here, that that's non-existent. Yeah, I mean they they didn't it didn't last that long, and there was a point where like I had friends that I've known in Thailand, Thai friends for a while, and they would ask for money, and I'd. I'd send a thousand here or there when I could. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, I don't think they would reach out. And these aren't, you know, these aren't the Thai stories of send me 10,000 baht yeah. and you never see it again. They're legit like asking, yeah. hey, can you send me a thousand baht here or there? Yeah. Um, as you, well, we'll get past the sub stories and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, as you, you moved up in the rankings in city kickboxing and you're moving, it, uh, Eugene is kind of holding you back before you came into MMA officially. That whole brotherhood over at City Kickboxing, can you talk about that a bit? And just before that, I was watching one of your vlogs today, and it kind of reminded me of the lifestyle of a firefighter. And I read your dad was a firefighter. Is there, is there a connection is, yeah. there as, like, the community of, a, like, especially with City Kickboxing Gym? Um, oh, I've never really thought about it like that, to be honest. Um, I, I know my... Like, yeah, my dad, I guess, as they were younger and, you know, a lot of the guys he w he's worked with for, like, 30-plus years, I'm sure they had, like, a very tight-knit uh, community there, especially if you're, like, running into blazing buildings with your mates, you know, it's like a, it's a little bit of a different bond to what we have, I think. But we're, we're not, like, risking our lives, in my opinion. You well, know what I, mean? Like <laughs> I mean, more from the perspective of you're going through the, the facility and you're showing like, okay, these are the lockers. This is where we cook. Okay, this is the okay. gym, which is very similar to a fire hall. Where oh, yeah. Okay. I get you. Okay. It's now like, I get you. I was like, that, I'm not, sorry, I can't no, really sorry. compare being sorry, a firefighter no, 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 no. to a fighter. I no, like, I meant uh, more like the, the brotherhood within, like, let's say it's a cent. I don't want to call it a dojo, but like yeah. within that facility, it, when I saw that, it kind of clicked. Oh, okay. So you're like talking about the COVID vlog where we like got locked in the gym for a while. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was... Yeah, it was different. <laughs> it was, uh, it's like a lot of people that we haven't 
they haven't lived with each other before. I mean, it was only a short period of time, like two weeks, but and then like a confined space, like two days can stuff can be very different two days later, right? But once you discover people's habits and good habits and bad habits and stuff like that, but yeah, it was it was pretty easy for that place to to run smooth because of like Eugene's there, right? He's like the enforcer, so if if something's sort of not being done right or someone's not cleaning up or something like that like we didn't really have to deal with it like yeah everyone just did it because they were like oh, i don't want to have to deal with like eugene making us train more or some sort of repercussion for doing that what is kind of eugene's when you look up uh, if you're to define him and, and look up to him what is his role within city kickboxing i mean is he he's wearing many hats owner mm. you know friend uh, uh coach yeah, he definitely wears many hats, you know, especially now. Um, there's, like, a lot of people that come through the gym from different walks of life. So he's got, like, a lot of uh, different responsibilities with different fighters, you know. Like, some people he just has to coach how to fight. And that's the end of it, right? That's that's the relationship. Some people he'll, I guess he spends time with outside of the gym. Like, they're more of a coach-friendship relationship. And then there's people that come in that are like a bit of a lost cause. They need like a little bit of direction in life and, you know, they make mistakes outside of the gym that that he he has like helped them fix stuff outside of the gym. So he um he does everything, man. Like if you, he's like someone uh, you can, uh, if you really need it, you can, you know, turn to for some help. But um, just, uh, I guess, like I said, all the different people that have come to the gym have like caused him to have to put on many different hats. I had a conversation two days ago with Syed. He was on the podcast. Mm. And I kind of related this also to city city kickboxing in the sense that I said, Syed, like, the way you came up, you kind of came up with your whole team. Like, all yeah. these guys that came up, Petrion, Fazeev, all, uh, um, Armin, all these guys that are under him, yeah. you kind of grew together instead of, you know, getting them already at the top. Mm. And that's kind of a similar story with Eugene, yourself, and, uh, I mean, Kai Kara France, and Izzy yeah. over at the gym. Is that a fair statement to make as like you guys kind of, especially with Izzy entering the UFC in 2018 and then all coming up together and, you know, growing as one? Yeah, we, um, slight accurate and also inaccurate. So a, f a few of us are like imports, right? Like we're not at, from, at CKB from day one. For instance, I'm not, I was at like Liga, I was at like a Muay Thai gym. And I used to go to city kickboxing a couple of times a week in the morning when I was younger and do conditioning with Huge. And sometimes I would go there and spar at his gym. And sometimes he would bring some guys up to our gym and spar. Um, so I met them early, but he, we didn't like really, he didn't coach me uh, earlier on. And like Kai was at a different gym, Dang was at a different gym. The guys that were, have been with him since they knew nothing was like Israel and Blood Diamond. Uh, though, and then... The majority of our fight team, uh, we, we all came to him later in our careers. Most of our fight team have actually fought each other because, like, our country's quite small and everyone's come from different cities. So the majority of the dudes that I trained with have actually fought each other competitively and, like, lost and won. And it's quite a, like, unique uh, roof to be under. And but does that, like, uh, animosity go out the window once you're kind of back no, as a I team? I don't think anyone really gives a shit anymore. Yeah. Like, it was... It was just, there's no choice, right? Because, um, like, a country's small. And if you want to get ahead, you got to fight everybody regardless. And uh, 
I guess because they've already it's done and dusted. Like now they can all train together and like pursue fights internationally. Um, but yeah, it's like it. We've all sort of grown up together in the UFC, right? Other than Dan, Dan was in there all before us. He was doing like his thing and sort of carrying that weight by himself, and then like he came to City Kickboxing, and then we all started drifting into City Kickboxing, and like as we've begun in the UFC, now we've started to uh, grow as a like fight team together. You before guys, that, we're all over the world, man. We're all scattered everywhere and doing different shit. But. Yeah, I was reading a bit how kind of you 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 more or less came into MMA after this this type of Muay Thai and kickboxing. And, yeah. and it took a bit to kind of get used to that, you know, that style because it's completely different, I mean, uh, in terms of uh, distance control. I mean, it's a completely uh, different sport. Yeah. It's like a different world. Yeah. It's definitely a different world. It, it definitely takes some – you don't want to rush into it. Um, it can be pretty detrimental on your psyche. <laughs> if, you get, if you think you're ready and you get in there and you get mauled, you know, well, it's like – it's not the f- – it's not like – Hugely motivating to jump back in there if you get smashed. If, if you get smashed, right? Well, you watch uh, like Khalil Roundtree. He and that's why Rogan really got behind him. And Khalil trained at Tiger as well. Yeah, I remember, he's been yeah. in the Chow Long area. But he was one of the fighters that kind of brought the Muay Thai stance a little bit into MMA and just uh, yeah. those vicious like uh, leg kicks. I remember. I think I remember that fight. It was just like out of the blue. He just started like with like a full tie style, right? right? But. Um, he came to Tiger and then he adopted that stance and he had like success in a fight with it. But then, yeah, he's, he's sort of like a little bit different. He's like adapting a bit, right? I don't think that com- com- having that like complete purist style is too suited to Muay Thai. I think it, it worked in that fight, right? But I don't think that would work long term. Yeah, I mean, especially when you bring wrestling in as an aspect, how are yeah. you going to, you know, sprawl out of the Right, it doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. It, it definitely leaves you, like, it limit, limits your ability to move backwards if you're quite flat-footed like that, bouncing your lead leg. But, um, I mean, yeah, it worked for him once. That's all it has to work for is <laughs> that night, right? And then, okay, now change something else. Yeah, maybe. I think he's changed it up now. Yeah. I think he has a fight, another one coming up. But He's doing uh, well, man. He's doing really well. He's a nice guy, too. Yeah, so I've heard, because uh, I'm sure we all have familiar friends. I've talked to... Jo- uh, well, Joey, she said, uh, and uh, most of the people here, they always, they have nothing but good things to say about you. They just say, yeah. oh, he's the nicest guy. This is a two-part episode. This is part one you're watching. The second part will be released on Thursday at 6 p.m.